today. Oh, you know, some may wonder and say, what is a tithe? Love our blessed life moment time here. What is a tithe? I remember when I was quite young, sitting in the audience when my dad was pastoring, and usually somewhere in the middle of the service, kind of about this time probably, he would say, now let's give of our tithes and offerings. And the ushers would come and they'd pass the plates up and down the aisles. And uh, Back in that day, on Sunday morning, most, most of the men wore suits and ties. Does anybody remember that day? Maybe you didn't go to church like that, I don't know, but in our church, that's what they did. And uh, I thought for some time that Dad was giving the men of the church an opportunity to put their ties in the offering plate. <laughs> Honest, that's true. And I wondered why I never saw any ties in the plate as it passed by. <laughs> and I figured, well, the men here in this church must really like their ties and they didn't want to give them away. <laughs> um, I found out later, I grew up, I don't think that anymore. Well, let's read about the tithe there in Leviticus 27, 30. It says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. So the question might be, what is this tithe that belongs to God? What belongs to God? Doesn't everything belong to God? Well, in this scripture from Leviticus, as an act of faith and trust in him, God asked the Israelites to give 10% of what they had to him. Leviticus 27.30 in the New Living Translation brings this out. It says, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. And other scriptures, you know, make it clear that it's like for us, we could say of our income, what we have. And in a way, in the big picture of things, 10% may not seem like very much, but it sure can seem huge if we aren't used to giving that 10% to God. Like I was sharing last week, my mom, the first dime that I found, she gave me the 10 pennies and, and right away. So for, you know, for me, it was just natural, but if we haven't done that, it may seem huge. But if we do not trust, if we don't trust our Heavenly Father with 10% of what we have, how will we ever be able to trust Him with our whole life? You know, that's the question. How will I be able to trust him to take care of my whole life and everything it entails? The simple answer is I won't be able to. I have a few quotes here this morning. I've been watching some programs on Believer's Voice of Victory where George Pearson and, and Gloria Copeland have been sharing, but also a book of uh, Gloria Copeland. But here's 
Pastor George Pearson. He says, first things first, we must be faithful with the tithe. Tithing is an investment. The Lord turns around and uses it for our spiritual growth and development. And then Gloria, if you're not faithful with the tithe, the 10%, then you're missing God's money. You're misusing God's money. God takes that tithe and he spends it on getting us whole. You will never increase supernaturally nor grow financially until you tithe. Read that scripture once more as we close here. Leviticus 27, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. So, if you haven't tithed, I certainly encourage you to do it. Um, it's been a blessing to Joyce and, and me in our lives. And uh, we're so thankful for the opportunity to do it. It's really like a starting point for us in our giving. And our, our tithe and offering boxes are on the back wall. We don't pass the plate. I don't know if you can stuff your tie in there or not, if you have a tie. <laughs> I'll probably get to see some, we'll probably have some ties in there. When Anna opens it up, she might find some ties. We'll see. But Lord, we do pray over them right now. We pray over the ties and offerings that we give. And we give it out of a heart of love, not out of a debt that we owe, but a seed that we would sow unto you with a joyful heart, in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to see a copy of our TCC 2018 financial report or the 2019 proposed budget there on the counter there by the church office just to the left of the mailboxes, the flowers that you see here, they're from the memorial service yesterday for Sandy Williamson. And our sympathies and prayers continue for the Williamson family. Um, I received a text this morning from Kent Dudley. He and Chantel are staying close to Jeffrey today. He's their seven-year-old son that they adopted. Uh, it seems as though he's nearing that transition time to heaven. He's, a few times yesterday he stopped breathing, but then he he began again, and uh, so we lift them before the Lord. We're going to pray in just a moment, but Ida Mae Jacobs is also in the hospital. I wanted to mention that. But let's pray for these families. Lord, we just lift up Williamson family in this time of Sandy's transition to heaven, Lord, for your comfort and your peace to be over them. We know you minister, you give grace at these times. The same for the Dudleys, Lord, with Jeffrey. Lord, we just commit him unto you. And we pray for Kent and Chantel for strength. We know what's in their spirit, with that strength in their emotions in their minds, 
and in their bodies. Lord, our brother and sister, and also our little brother Jeffrey, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray for, for him at this point in his life, that you would prepare him, that you would help him, that you would be with him. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we also lift up way to me. Pray for your hand on her life as she's now 96 years old, Lord. We pray that you would prepare her for that day when she comes to meet you. We know she's ready spiritually. Amen. Uh, Joyce is going to be giving a message, bringing a message in just a moment here. And uh, we will be having communion. We want to welcome all believers to take part in that with us. There will be a meal served later after this. A good one. A good one. And also your financial giving statements for last year are in your boxes. And just, just a note, with the forecast as it is, our prayer meeting Wednesday night, we've decided that we're, we'll just pray at home. We'll stay at home and pray. So you can all join that prayer meeting that way. And Joyce is ready to go. Yep. And so... Um, we'll speaking of Sandy... You can bring this this way. A few weeks ago... Down. A few weeks ago, she was sitting here with us. Oh. A few weeks ago, Sandy was sitting here with us. She was at our coffee bar the Sunday before. She was in the fellowship hall. And so the reality of heaven. That woman loved God. The testimony yesterday from her husband, her kids, um, and she freely asked other people if they were believers, her caregivers, the four months she was in and out of medical care. And um, we thank you, Father. We thank you for your presence, who you are. You are so real to Sandy in heaven. You were to her here on earth, to us. But we're so thankful for who you are to us right here. We thank you, Father. Lead and guide what you want your children to hear this morning. Um, open hearts, ears, eyes to be opened, Father, to see maybe what we haven't seen before. Thank you, Lord. And so when Steve asked me uh, sometime back if, was I, if I would be willing to share, and I thought, sure, and I know what it's going to be about, heaven. Because a little over a year ago, my mom moved to heaven. She was ready to do that, but we were through a process with her. And during that time, I read several books on heaven. Before that, I'd read her parts of the books or I'd send parts of them in a letter to her. But I distinctly remember being at her bedside and reading certain parts of those heaven books. 
Um, after she moved to heaven, I made a decision for 2018 to go through those books, but to take them or to, you know, to just really pull out things that um, that would be good for me to chew on, remember. And so I thought, that's what I'll do. I'll bring all my books. When I share with you, they're all tagged. I'm just going to open the book, like this one. Just start first tag, and I'll read you what impressed me. So I, I thought, that's what I'm going to do. But not this past Wednesday night, the one before we were gathered here for Wednesday night prayer, and Gus Shogren was sharing. He started by sharing testimonies of signs, wonders, and miracles, including the last one with his son, the saving of keeping his life safe just very recently. And of course, we mentioned the role of angels in that. And then we went into prayer. We were praying in the spirit, singing in the spirit, and we had particular um, uh, people we were praying for, but all of a sudden, the eyes of my spirit were opened to see something that I really hadn't seen before with my mom. And it's when she was living. She lived seven years in her house after, alone, alone, after dad moved to heaven. And um, what I saw was she was not alone. And I thought, well, no, she has sisters sharing, living right now, my three sisters, we would call or whatever, but no. No one could be with her 24-7. She had Jesus in her, the Holy Spirit. But I saw something. The summer before she moved to heaven, she uh, wanted to stain the siding of her house. And this is something my mom loved to work outside. She loved to do projects. And ever since they'd had this home built after the tornado, 25 years, she would faithfully, I think it was every seven years, put that fresh application of stain on it. Well, so what if she was 84 years old? It was seven years, and it was time to do it that summer. <laughs> so as my, she's telling us about this, and I was like, a sister's 84 years old. But we concurred together, yep, she's, she's able to do that. But my sister Sharon said she had a special ladder. She could only go up to a certain step, no higher. Sharon would finish, you know, the peaks and things like that. What I saw that Wednesday night, I saw my mom, and she would give us progress reports. Steve and Joyce, I finished the north side. She'd pace herself, never worked in the sun, but all those progress. So I saw her, you know, which side of the garage there, on her ladder, the eyes of my spirit, I saw this. And she's staining, and behind her was her angel, like this. Just enjoying, <laughs> mom's enjoying making progress, and there's her angel. And then I saw her look to her right, and it's like the thought came, 
I think I can reach that too. And then I saw that angel like whisper in her ear, no, Clara, don't reach there. Finish this, step down, move your ladder. I knew something there. When, when we found out she was going to stay in her house, we just started to say, well, you're not going to fall, no broken bones here. And she would always say, I'm not going to have any broken bones. I'm not going to fall and break my bones. It was just something we sisters would affirm with her. And that's when her, her footing was steady. Um, another thing we always said, uh, when she was starting to get um, weaker, like probably a year after that, we said she's going to have a clear mind to the very end. And when I was in prayer here, I saw it. I saw how our words released the angel assignments to aid her, to benefit her. When she breathed her last breath, I mean, her mind was as sharp and clear to the very end. My sister has worked 30 years in a care center, and that is not typical. And so what I saw was Psalm 91, 11 and 12. He will give his angels, they're God's angels, charge or appointed over you to keep you in all your ways. In the um, Hebrew, that means a hedge about you to guard, protect, attend to you. And then Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him, and he delivers them. I love the Passion Translation. The angel of the Lord stooped down to listen as I prayed, encircled me, empowered me, and showed me how to escape. He will do this for everyone who fears God. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, you his angels. They're God's angels. They do his word, says they excel in strength, Heeding the voice of his word, bless the Lord, all you his hosts. Those are multitudes and armies of angels. You ministers of his who do his pleasure. Thank you, Lord. From the Sparkling Gems, Rick Renner. I love to read Sparkling Gems by Rick Renner. He's a Greek and Hebrew scholar but he writes it in a way that I can understand. He says, in the Greek, this is what angels are. Angels provide high-level, top-notch service to the saints. A servant whose chief occupation is to meet some kind of physical or tangible need. See, that's what my mother needed. Um, the, the next summer when she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, she went from actively caring for her house, her yard, to becoming unsteady on her feet, then using a cane, then she 
used a walker and it got to the point she could hardly use the walker. When she was brought to the care center at her request, they immediately put in her, her in a wheelchair. Um, so angels meet physical needs, give strength, supernatural guidance, protection, and deliverance. They perform superhuman feats. And this is what Rick Renner says. There are special forces or units of angels. After I got home from that prayer meeting, I think it was the next morning, I was looking at my Bible, and I, it looked like the covers needed to be cleaned out. You know, I would stuff stuff in there. <laughs> and one of the things that I had in there was an article by Glory Copeland from um, Believer's Voice of Victory magazine, January 2012. We were going to have copies for you, but... Um, We'll probably do it next week. We need to get more clear with the copy machine. She has this article about aged angels. And I've read it many times since then. I've given them out to different people. But I reread it again. And when I did, it was like the Holy Spirit says, um, you're not going to be sharing about heaven People know there's angels in heaven. You expect that. Like what Sandy's, uh, when, what she's experiencing now, there's a lot of angels. But you know what? There's a lot of angels right here. And what he wanted me to share with you, his angels are here for us on earth right now. We don't have to wait to get to heaven <laughs> to experience that. And so um, in Gloria's article here, she says, when we confess God's word, for, like Psalm 103.20 says, over any situation, we release angels to operate on our behalf and bring those words to pass. When we do the opposite by speaking words of unbelief that are contrary to the Bible, we bind those angels and give them nothing to fulfill. Think about what Jesus said about the power of our words in Mark eleven twenty three. This is his word to us. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven and then we'll start speaking Mark eleven twenty three. It's for us here and now. Uh, Whoever shall say and not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. She goes on to say, the angels are waiting on your words. If you want them to go to work helping to fulfill the desires of your heart, don't speak words that are contrary to what you want. Make the words of your mouth agree with what you want, but more importantly, make them line up with the Bible. Then she has a quote here by Charles Capps. God's word is his will to man. 
Man's word should be his will toward God. The angels know this, so they listen to your words. Then they move busily about to cause them to come to pass or allow them to come to pass. But if you speak sickness, disease, calamity, and bad things, the angels will surely not bring it to pass or cause it to come to pass. They will have to bow their heads back off, fold their hands. For you have bound them by the words of your mouth, and they cannot work for you. They will allow all the bad words, bad and evil, to come to pass. They will allow all the bad and evil to come to pass that you speak because your words are their warrant. And when you speak against their work, they cannot perform it. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to continue with something else that Gloria shared. And this is based on Hebrews 12, 22. She says um, there that they are innumerable. Revelation 5, 11 says that they are 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. She says, I have a minister friend who has studied this subject a lot. He shared with me that as nearly as he can figure, that would be 100 trillion angels, which is equal to a million millions. And there's a great big number written out. Well, she, and then this, um, and I've updated it because this was from 2012. So he had the population from 2012. I Googled it just like Maria Googles to get her Mexican spices delivered to her house. The population today is 7.7 .7 billion. So this um, minister who studied this said, if there were 7.7 .7 billion on earth, people on earth, and they all got saved, we would still have t over 12,000 angels to minister to each of us if they were distributed evenly. If half the population was born again and those angels were distributed evenly. You see the number up there? 24,000. And what I realized when I was reading this again, maybe none of us in our lifetime is going to need that many angels to help us, but let's read the account in 2 Kings 6, 15, 17. I'll just summarize it. Um, the Syrian army was surrounding the city of Dothan, which was an Israelite city. And um, Elisha's servant is saying, alas, my master, because the city's surrounded with horses and chariots, what are we going to do? And Elisha answered, well, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. 
Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of God's army, full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Kingdom Dynamic Bible says God sent his angelic strike force. Message Bible says this is the God of the angel armies. And what I just, and it went back again to that time of prayer, I just had a revelation that those, when I when was reading this again, those angels did not go into retirement after that assignment. They have been active since that day, since that time. They are active today in the world. Now, we may not need um, that many angels to surround this, this, the town of Tenstrike or the town where you're from. There's no emergency. There's nothing that critical. But I'm telling you, when it says Elisha prayed, we had better be praying for the borders all the way around our United States. I cover our border in prayer. I'll be doing something, and all of a sudden, I get an alert. We keep, and there's angels on assignment at our borders. <laughs> there are places, situations in our state that need more than one or two angels gathered, that we need God's army of angels on assignment in response to our prayers. We well know there's places in other states, and we for sure know it concerning our capital, Washington, D.C. And so I feel that what the Lord wants us to just be remembering again, his angels are here for us now, it's for us, yes. When I pray for my husband, for my family members, it's, um, yeah, I'll often say, I plead the blood of Jesus over them, safety, protection. But since that night now, there's that added dimension of his angels on assignment. And I'm so thankful for that. But he wants us to also go beyond covering our family. He wants us to step into that place for our town, our city, our region, our territory, our state, other states, the whole nation, and other nations. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. When um, Steve mentioned Kent and Chantel, we were there um, some days ago, and in by little uh, Jeffrey's bed, and it was holy ground, just like we experienced with my mom in her last moments. It's like. You knew, and we shared that with him, too. The first thing um, Chantel said is he's getting ready to go to his twin sister who went to heaven in 2016. But the, the presence of angels there, the, the work of his love there, 
And um, as we were, Steve had his hands on little Jeffrey, and we were praying for him, praying in the spirit. I remembered something I'd read and reread in this book, Heaven is for Real. Um, incidentally, this um, Colton, who was, uh, who's, when he saw heaven, is now 19 years old. He's um, in Bible school in um, some place, worship ministry, but he's still with his father, is going, he's different place. Sean Hannity interviewed him a few years ago, and the big headline when I Googled it was, does everyone go to heaven? And Colton says, no. I loved it. And then he went on to clarify it. But here in this book, and I shared this with Kent and Chantel, because they had seen the movie, they had read the book, but it was just like the Lord wanted them to be reminded of this. Um, little Colton, he was almost four years old when his appendix burst, and so critically ill um, in surgery. Four months after this happened, they were driving past that same hospital, and his mother said, Colton, do you remember the hospital? Yes, Mommy, I remember, he said. That's where the angels sang to me. Colton, you said angels sang to you while you were at the hospital? I, they'd never heard him say anything like this before. Yes, what did they sing? Well, they sang, Jesus loves me, and Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. So he knew what they sang to him. Um, then he said to them, Dad, Jesus had the angels sing to me because I was so scared. Now, we were looking at Jeffrey. I mean, to us, it looked like there was no response, you know, like he's sleeping. But here he says, and this kid was out on the surgery table. Right? He was out. Jesus had the angels sing to me because I was so scared. They made me feel better. You mean Jesus was there? The father asked. Yeah, Jesus was there. Well, I was sitting on his lap. Right there, the reality, when we see someone like we saw with my mom, to know in the spirit realm, to us it looks, oh, you know, but in the spirit realm, to know the, the activity of angels, the, the presence of Jesus, it was just encouraging to me. And it was, you know, as we shared this again with Kent and Chantel, too. So thank you, Lord. We're going to be alert to, yes, we're born again. We can't see it, take a picture of it, but we're born again. We're filled with your spirit. We can't take a picture of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the evidence of speaking in tongues. Your angels, we may not see them. We believe they are part of what you want for us here on the earth 
today. Thank you, Lord. Blessings. Thank you. I can't do that with every speaker. I gotta do that when I when I get the chance. <laughs> In fact, she's the only speaker I get to do with. But uh, yeah, thank you, Lord. Those while I'm sharing here, those that will be helping to distribute the communion elements, if you would come forward now and begin to do that. You know, all these things that we talk about, it all goes back to the blood shed by Jesus, you know, his body being broken for us, the great salvation, the great redemptive work that he did for us. And uh, we're so thankful for that. Um, heaven is our destination. And then there will be actually, that's an, we could call that intermediate heaven. The one book that it showed up there, Heaven by Randy Alcorn, talks about that, that the heaven that we have now, you may distribute them now, is like an intermediate heaven one day the new Jerusalem will come down to this earth and we'll have the new earth here. Beautiful, it's beautiful now, but it'll be just perfectly beautiful then. But that, I was speaking with Carla yesterday afternoon. She called Carla Mandrell. She's down with her mom in California right now. And we've been praying for her mom uh, for some time, she's just desiring that confirmation that her mom really knows the Lord and so forth. And, and uh, she said it's really been going well. And that's the first I've heard her say that, I think, actually. I mean, she's felt a breakthrough there with her mom. Uh, and she said, you know what has been really helping, what has triggered some of that? She said that book, My Time in Heaven. And okay, the church, we gave a copy to Scott and Carla when it was when Scott's father went to heaven. And, uh, but anyway, she's been reading that. And just, it, it's, it's done something to her as she's read about that. And of course, our, there's one way, like was said so well yesterday by pastors. There were five pastors here yesterday from different churches for that memorial service. And different ones were sharing, but it was Jesus is the way. He's the only way to heaven. Uh, and that is so true to heaven. But um, I thought it was interesting. She made a statement. Tim, Tim Waller read that book. And uh, he appreciated it so much he bought 30 copies that he's distrib also distributed to a lot of people. Uh, yesterday on the phone, Carla said to me, I think I'm going to buy 30 of them books to 
to distribute to a whole bunch of people. And I, th I thought of Tim when she said that. But there's something about it, you know, as we anticipate heaven. You know, if we're going to go on a trip to Hawaii or to Florida or to Wisconsin Dells or North Shore or whatever, so often that anticipation of it is so great. And we get brochures, you know, we send for them or online, we look it up and and so forth, we anticipate it. The anticipation of it is a big part of it. Well, that's something good for us to do now. And it could be soon. We don't know when. That's something we mentioned to the people yesterday, you know, the focus on a, at a memorial service is that someone has left and their body is lifeless now. But one day we said, Jesus is coming again. I said, do you know that, that Jesus is coming again? I could tell by the reaction of some that it kind of startled them. And I said, well, it's either he's going to be coming with ten thousands and thousands of his saints, and then they will receive their new bodies. Or, you know, if we're still alive when he comes, that fast, in the twinkling of an eye, our bodies will be changed. And we'll have bodies that can live forever. They aren't corruptible anymore. They won't grow old. And all of it is because of what Jesus has done for us. Does everyone have elements, the bread? Um, his last supper, Jesus took the bread. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And he said, remember me when you do this. He instituted it. He said, you continue to do this. And today as we partake of his broken body, as this represents it, any sickness or disease in your body, you just receive, you believe and receive. It's done because surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. So we receive it by faith today that he's done that for us in our bodies. Let's receive it together. Thank you, Lord. Jesus also took the cup. He said, this is my blood that is given for you. It's a new covenant, it's a new promise for the remission of sins. Our sins are remitted in Jesus Christ. All of them, they're remitted. They're wiped out, they're blotted out, they're deleted, totally. We're so thankful, amen. So thankful. And we give thanks and honor unto you, Lord, today as we partake of this and we proclaim your death but also your resurrection as we partake of it together. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and just as we close, and just say this, that <clears throat> we say communion is communion. Part of the Apostles' Creed is that I believe in the communion of the saints. And that's who you are. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're a saint. And uh, 
that communion is there, and that's a fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia, and that's what we have together. That's why we come out when it's so cold outside <laughs> to be with each other. Really, that's what's there, to worship God, but to be with each other, to fellowship with one another. That's part of what we call communion. I mean, we're all partaking of it together. I remember the, the day, the morning that my dad transitioned to heaven. I was up a lot, didn't sleep an awful lot that night, but I really wanted to be here just to see you all, to see you and to fellowship with you, that communion. I need to be with you, I needed your hugs, I needed your support. And that's what's there. And we remember that as we have families that have been in those same situations. We are, we are there for each other when we're hurting. We're there for each other when things are going great. We rejoice together. But we are also there for each other when things aren't going so great. To support one another. Always. Amen? Yes. Amen. So let's fellowship around the meal and save journeys home. And if anyone has a prayer need, please come forward for it. Um, again, just to mention, we won't be having the prayer time here Wednesday night, but you can pray where you are. Thank you, Lord. God bless you all and keep you in his grace upon you. His presence go with you.